0: Hi and welcome to Influential Introverts, I'm your host Paul Juggins, a mindset mentor for sensitive female entrepreneurs and I'm on a mission to empower more influential introverts like you to embody your true nature and stand out as a leader in your industry. Join me each week as I'll be interviewing empathic experts from around the world who will be sharing their inspirational stories of personal transformation with you and how they use their sensitivity to thrive in an extrovert's world. Each week you'll get to learn from thought leaders in mindset, personal development, entrepreneurship, spirituality, female empowerment, creativity and conscious leadership as well as much much more. Throughout I'll be teaching you some of my own mindset tools to help you gain powerful insights into your own identity and help you make friends with your fear so you can grow your heart-centered business feeling fully aligned with your soul mission. This shows for you if you're tired of swimming against the extroverted current and want the confidence to authentically express yourself and become a world-class entrepreneur on your own terms. So if this speaks to your heart my friend, come and join us.
1: The mind is beautiful and it's very programmable, but it's only operating from what it knows from the past, from experience and from the programs. And so when we come into the body, we give ourselves an opportunity to show up in our wholeness, to show up in the moment. And that's where the aliveness is. That's where the creativity is.
0: In this episode, Leandra Rose. Leandra is a transformational coach and the founder of the Radiant Rebellion, where she specializes in empowering women to release their fears, limiting beliefs, and family and cultural imprinting that blocks them from living their most authentic and fulfilling lives. She's an advanced teacher in breathwork, meditation, embodiment, energetics, and mindset. And in this episode, we're going to discuss how you can express yourself confidently by embodying who you truly are. We're going to dive into the tools for how you can do that using somatic body work and the breath to begin to release stuck emotional blocks that are really holding you back from doing that right now. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. We dig into a lot of mind-body connection within this episode and there's a lot in here for you to get into. So if you're feeling quite stuck and if you've done a lot of work in the mind coming home into the body I think is a really next important step and it's definitely been a really important step in my own practice as well in liberating my true nature so I hope you get a lot of insight from this my friend and I'll be back at the end of the episode to say goodbye Hello, Leandra. It's beautiful to have you with us today. You're so welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. I know it's a Friday evening for you and a Friday morning for me. So good good way to end the week together.
0: It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm so excited to get into our topic today. But before we do that, I would love for you to share a little bit of your story with us, how you got to where you are, and especially about the work that you do, we would really love to to know you a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to share. So I'm Leandra Rose, and I am the founder of the Radiant Rebellion, which is a mission-driven movement for new paradigm leaders to really step into our true, authentic selves, to release the old paradigms of hustling and forcing and, and faking and actually living our, our truest essence from a place of love and ease and joy and how I got to be the founder of the Radiant Rebellion. My own journey was not always so easy. Uh, I, I, I'm a very, we've talked about this before, Paul, I'm a sensitive empath myself who's had to learn how to navigate this human life through traumas and trials and all of that. And my story, really a big piece of my story is that I got to be a kindergarten teacher for many years. And I like to say that I wasn't really a teacher as much as they were teaching me. They were teaching me for this next piece of my journey which is learning how to be in the essence of who we are in our innocence in our creativity in our joy in our playfulness in our resilience that's how we come into the world and over time we pick up stories and imprints and my work uh, is really about helping people get back to the essence of who they are and to bring that forward Because I truly believe and what I've seen in my studies and in the work that I've done with children and with adults is that when we are truly tapped in to the essence of who we are and into our true genius, our true radiance, that we move forward in our lives with ease. And I believe that when each of us is tapped into that true essence, the problems that we see in the world are solved with ease quickly and easily.
0: Your mission and, and your your values and everything that you, you've just spoken about there it just resonates so deeply with me and, and my own mission and definitely the, the values of this show as well. Really getting to the core of who we are. Just helping people really remove all of that conditioning and blocks to to just be who we are, you know, to just be ourselves. And like you say, when when we're in that, that flow of joy of just being ourselves without any of those burdens of conditioning and expectation and all of those different little things that we'll we'll get into and begin to untangle in the show. We do just navigate and flow through the world in a much more ease and graceful way. So I'm fascinated to learn and dig in a little bit more into the topic of authentic expression. So when I hear and read about your work, helping people, especially women, I know you work with women, but at the heart of the matter, what you do is very similar to me, like helping people really communicate and express themselves from that place of authenticity, from that that true nature. What I would like to get into first is Looking at some of the mindset blocks, you know, this is something that obviously I'm very fascinated with, but it's it is the hurdle. It is the block for people when they want to start going on that journey of self-realization, of self-expression, of living day to day, just being who they are from that true spirit. I'd love to get your insight on what you think are some of the most common beliefs, mindset blocks that you or your clients have had when it comes to really expressing yourself from that authentic place in life and in business and just really stepping into your power.
1: Yeah. Even when you ask the question, I have this welling up of emotion and and sadness for The blocks that we've taken on, the stories that we've taken on that limit our our ability to authentically express ourselves. I know that it starts from a very young age. It starts when we're in that developmental stage between zero and seven, and we're looking at the world to tell us what's okay and what's not okay. And... We're looking at the world to tell us, how, how do we survive this world? We're, we're brand new, and we're looking for patterns and information to help us to navigate. And unfortunately, most of us were raised and taught by unenlightened adults, which is okay. It's just where they were in their consciousness. Mm-hmm. But because of that, we picked up faulty ideas about ourselves one of the biggest ones that I see is that we aren't our own authority. From a very young age, we are told that we need to listen to adults, that we need to sit down and be quiet and just listen. And instead, I I believe that if adults had honored our sovereignty while giving us healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. it's not about just letting kids run wild, but if we are honored in our in our sovereignty and our uniqueness at a very young age with healthy boundaries, then we learn to trust ourselves, to trust our impulses, to trust our desires, to trust our creativity, our playfulness, our uniqueness. But most of us learned to not trust that. We learned that it's not okay to be too loud. It's not okay to be too quiet. It's not okay to be too playful. It's not okay to be too excitable. It's not okay to be too distracted. So what is okay? What we learn that is okay and what we learn gets the good grades is if you sit down and you listen to the authority and you follow the rules and you don't make waves and you give the right answers, you're a good little boy, a good little girl. And that's what most of us learned how to be. We learned how to be good little boys and good little girls, but that isn't necessarily who we truly are.
0: Mm. We're born with this beautiful spirit and identity at a certain point, we, we lose it or it's, I kind of come to think of it now, it's kind of like worn away over time, um, through again, different conditioning, generational, societal, um, And like you say, it's not necessarily through anyone's fault. It's like belief systems that are handed down and, you know, you're just the next link in the chain. And I think it's really interesting, this concept of allowing more freedom in children to to express themselves. And we really try and put a cage around them. I know there's this protection, but there's all of these like quote unquote right and wrong ways to do things. We take that on, don't we? In these formative years, these are where our minds are sculpted and they're so malleable. And it's a beautiful thing, but we lose that that childlike innocence. And I think I've spent most of my life trying to get that back, you know. Um and it's like undoing all of the conditioning to kind of come back to that that free spirit before you were changed you know, or you felt like you had to change to fit in or to be successful. And it's so common that we just get stuck in this conditioning of you have to be a certain way to succeed or to be happy, or this is how prevalent it is. And we're left with that. It's it's a scarring, isn't it? It's a wound. How do you see these types of conditionings? How do they manifest? Like, what do you think are some of the main beliefs that maybe you or you've experienced like the people carry around with them for lifetimes that they're looking to to let go of.
1: It manifests so much in just not being able to speak our truth, not mm. being able to speak what's really on our hearts. So a lot of times it, it shows up in my clients and in myself and early in my journey is not feeling safe to say what was really on my mind or really on my heart, mm. um, feeling like we might get punished or abandoned or banished from the group banished from the culture yeah. banished you know we might it might show up as i'm afraid to speak up in this meeting at my work because i might get fired i'm afraid mm-hmm. to speak up in my relationship because my partner might leave me i'm afraid to speak up in this friendship because my friend might not want to be my friend anymore and it all comes down to this fear that if we speak our truth or if we we act or speak from a place that feels different or someone might not like it, that we're going to be left alone, that we're going to be abandoned. And the truth is what we discover when we start to reclaim ourselves, when we reclaim the truth of who we are, what we discover is that the only time we're truly abandoned is when we abandon ourselves, which is what mm-hmm. we've been doing all along. Every time... We are speaking or acting from a place of pleasing another, whether it's a, another person or a, a boss or a government. Anytime we're acting from a place of pleasing another, we are abandoning ourselves. The very thing that we're afraid of, we're actually doing to ourselves. And so mm. this journey is about reclaiming ourselves coming back to the place of our truth and really our sovereignty and trusting that when we don't abandon ourselves when we stay connected to ourselves that's when we get what it is that we really want which is genuine connection which is full self-expression which is freedom and liberation to be who we really are
0: mm. oh, so beautiful i think you've hit on two very key points there so what I'm hearing is obviously, yes, we have this real block around speaking our truth, using our voice and expressing ourselves with integrity. And I think that on the other side of it, then it results in people pleasing. The fear of being yeah, cast out of the tribe and holding back and then shifting who you are saying things just to be accepted because we all want to be accepted and loved and these are two things that you know i've struggled with and had to do a lot of work around but i know a lot of introverts and sensitive and spiritual people have told me and i've coached them and i and i know this to be true is that there is that point where you know things happen in your life where maybe you did speak out once and you were rejected or you were uh, ridiculed or you were told you were wrong and that's it. You know, your brain just goes into complete self-preservation mode. And any time, you know, you want to speak up at work or with a partner or whatever the situation is, that fear base comes back in again. Your mind automatically goes, OK, well, if you speak up now, you're going to be hurt and rejected again, which creates a huge amount of suffering A in that and then how you respond or how we tend to respond because we want to fit in. We want to be long and be liked. Maybe we say things that we don't believe in or we don't say the things that we should say. So I wonder how you begin to unravel things like people pleasing or shifting your behavior to fit in and sort of be accepted when you can't speak your truth.
1: Yeah. This is where embodiment comes into play because When we take on these ideas that we have to act or speak a certain way in order to belong, what we're doing is we're creating a program in our minds, and we're creating a a set of rules of this is how to be. When someone says this, I say this. There's Mm. a a matching set of patterns in the brain, in the mind that gets created. But when we learn to come into the body and live in the present moment and be spontaneous and trust the wisdom, the sensations, the aliveness of our body, then we can start to speak from a place of our truth. So the journey of embodiment, the journey of coming out of our minds, out of the, the programs, because the mind, the mind is beautiful. And it's very programmable, but it's only operating from what it knows from the past, from mm-hmm. experience and from the programs. And so when we come into the body, we give ourselves an opportunity to show up in our wholeness, to show up in the moment and to show up spontaneously.
0: Hmm.
1: And that's where the aliveness is, that's where the creativity is between us and and in our own lives. But even right now in our conversation, for example, we had some, uh, like an outline that we were going to follow and now there's an aliveness that we're both following. Mm. And I can feel it in my body. If I were just in my head and I was thinking, oh, but Paul and I said we were gonna talk about this, this and this, I would be cutting off the aliveness of this now moment conversation now we've gone off track and it's so much more beautiful and powerful than if we had just stayed in what we thought was going to be the conversation today
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great example i think for me it's like intuition lies in the body and that's what you're speaking of there we're going with like flow and true nature and, and we connect with that in the body um And the mind, it's it's so cerebral. We're living in this constant projections and we're constantly projecting and simulating what will or may or may not happen based on prior experience. I love the way you you talked about these sort of reciprocating patterns. If A happens then I do B or it's like an equation that we've come to live our, our lives by. We have these rules for living that were established in those formative years and now the brain being quite a lazy energy conserving part of uh, our body it likes to just go to these default networks right to these default patterns and while that is beautiful and super helpful for very simple tasks that we don't need to think about when it comes to our belief systems and who we are and how we're navigating the world this is where this part of our older brain system begins to get in the way and where the limitations lie. One thing I'd love to explore a little bit is the mind-body connection. So for people listening, they might be like, well, what does it mean to listen to my body? Where is the wisdom in there? Like all of my beliefs or my my intelligence lies in the brain, surely. Or maybe they are thinking, OK, I've felt some of these things in my body before. How do I trust it? I think some of this language, I'd like to ground it a little bit because I think knowing where we're going with this stuff, just to, to frame the rest of the episode. So I've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, like the the ego mind, where our belief systems are. This is like, you know, very cerebral. We're talking now about this mind-body connection and maybe we'll use things like heart wisdom or Got listen to our intuition you know looking into these different areas now where science is looking at the the heart and gut brain access and connection with the brain you know they're seeing them as like second and third brains and how all of these things are connected in this beautiful holistic manner so in a roundabout way maybe you can begin to enlighten this a little bit about what it means to tune into the body and look for wisdom and intuition there.
1: Yeah, I think what you're saying is so important because I've had clients who are very cerebral and we have this conversation and they say, "Well, what do you mean I'm not in my body? Obviously, I'm in my body. I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I walk, I eat. I <laughs> so how can you say that I'm not in my body?" And over time through the somatic work that I do with people, somatic being of the body, we slow down and we bring ourselves into slower brainwave states to be able to access more information and access more in our bodies. And one of the very simple tasks that I have my clients do, especially those who are prone to anxiety. So anxiety tends to happen when we are in our heads and we're in future thinking, And then we get these sensations in the body like, oh my gosh, something bad is happening and this is what anxiety feels like. And a very simple task that I give all of my clients is to come into the sensations of your feet, to press your feet into the ground and really bring all of your attention into the sensations in the feet. It helps to ground the attention and the energy into the body. And we call this grounding. And when we ground our attention and our energy into our feet and into our lower body, that starts to give us a more cohesive and holistic access to our full wisdom. So we're not just in our head. We're not just thinking about the future. We're not stuck on a problem, but we're actually in this present moment. We slow down. It relaxes our our body. It relaxes our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And from that place, then we start to access... Solutions yeah but if we 're all in in the anxious future thinking and only focused on the on the problem that's when we get overwhelmed. so we slow down, we find the sensations in the feet, we take deep breaths, we calm the nervous system, then it mm. gives the mind space as well to access solutions that it couldn't see when it was in an overwhelmed state mm.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's very clear. When I think about the mind-body connection, I always think of this quote from James Joyce. I think it's from the, it's from the Dubliners. And it goes, Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body. And I think it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful quote. It's got nothing to do with mindfulness or anything like that, I think. But um, I always think about it because when I think about the separation of the mind and body, we are living a few meters away somewhere from our true home in our body.
1: And it can be very scary to live in our bodies mm. because of, you know, some of the things we've talked about when we're very little and we have things happen and, and it could be big T trauma or little T trauma. It could just be the way that an adult looked at you when you said something or you did something. Mm. And all of a sudden it creates this contraction and, it's not safe. What I did isn't safe. And so we, in a sense, we leave the body. We leave that feeling because it's too overwhelming. Whether it was a a big trauma or a little trauma, it becomes too overwhelming to feel. And so what happens when we have all these things happen to us as children, these traumas happen to us as children, we can't feel it. There's not enough skill or space or availability to feel those feelings. It's too overwhelming. So we avoid it. And over time we have so many of those things Well, we're avoiding all these feelings, all of these emotions, all of these memories, we're avoiding them. And that's when we become disconnected from our body because it's really too overwhelming. And so as I'm bringing this up, because it's important to say that as we're talking about this, the journey of embodiment is a very delicate journey and as you do make the journey from your head to your body you may encounter some difficult emotions you may encounter some some challenging experiences and in my experience it's helpful to have an expert a somatic healer a breathwork practitioner someone who understands embodiment that can hold space for that journey back yeah. into our into our bodies And to hold compassionate space for those scared little children that weren't able to feel that overwhelming feeling when they were little.
0: Mm. And I think it just compounds, doesn't it, over the years, all of these emotions or different forms of trauma, like you've mentioned, if the mind cannot go there to process and handle it, it just gets buried in the body. This was new information to me a few years ago, you know, because, again, anything, thought or belief or emotion, that all happens in the, my mind. Right. It, and it's got nothing to do with the body. The body's just this, you know, function to help me walk around. And you know what I mean? Mm. Obviously now I know different, but there was a dissonance in that. And I think that is something that prevails, especially in the West. You know, this dissonance between or sorry, this duality, I should say, between body and mind, whereas, you know, a lot of the Eastern cultures and philosophies um, and elsewhere around the world I've obviously identified a long, long time ago that that's not not the case or we're just kind of we are our bodies, we are our mind, we're, we're consciousness, whatever that is, but that's a, a, another podcast, but we are a lot more than the sum of all these parts. So thinking about the listener now, okay, we're getting an idea about this a journey coming into the body, but the body has stored a lot of very painful emotions. There is hurt in the body and a lot of the limiting behaviours, the core limiting beliefs. And I love to dive into the core because that's where the healing is and that's the journey. So beginning to unlock and release these core wounds, these core beliefs really does require not only the mindset work, but the somatic release, releasing energy, stored emotional energy from the body and I think that is a type of practice that I'm seeing a lot more of. And there's a lot more practitioners speaking about, which is beautiful. There's a lot more education around it. So for people who are feeling really stuck with their limitations, you know, when we really push down things like abandonment, shame, guilt, rejection, we could go on here, but all of the really difficult emotions, which ultimately result in sadness and anger, if we want to really boil this down to what it is that's what we feel and it's locked in here and to be this true expression of ourselves to be to come back to that true nature and that childlike quality we've got to melt and soothe and soften and allow this stuff to be released and depending on where you're at and your your life experience this can this falls in a range a whole spectrum of of a challenge and of of a journey you know, and I really appreciate that this topic, if you're listening, maybe maybe a little triggering and I just want you to know that I'm aware of that and um, we know we're not speaking about this stuff lightly. It is very uh, serious work. So maybe you can give us a little insight into the types of somatic body work that you are a practitioner in, Leandra, the types of practices that you, in your experience, know and have seen the benefits for when people need to release from the body
1: yeah the number one thing before we even talk about any of this and, and you touched on it there is that it's so important to hold all of this with a lot of care mm. and to bring a lot of compassion to this journey of embodiment this journey of bringing our true essence forward forward requires a lot of care and a lot of compassion. And so whatever the modality is, doesn't matter if it's not steeped in first compassion and second, unconditional allowing. So when I work with clients, one of the first things that I have them agree to is understand that we are not here to fix you. We're not Mm -hmm. here to fix the shame you have. We're not here to fix it. But when we create the space of allowing it to be here, it naturally has its own journey of movement. And that can be very intense. It can be very quick and it can take time. But when we come into the somatic healing work, when we come into embodiment work, it is imperative that it is steeped in the understanding that there's nothing to fix. Because as long as we're coming from a place of fixing, we're just going to keep creating the same Mm. traumas and the same avoidance of the truth.
0: Yeah. And it's also creating the story that you're broken if I need to be fixed.
1: That's right. And so there's absolutely nothing that needs to be fixed. But when we are held in a Community or in a mentorship relationship with somebody who knows how to hold that unconditional welcoming, then those intense feelings of shame, of fear, anger, all of that, when they get welcomed, this magical thing happens. I think, as Joseph Campbell said, any feeling fully felt is bliss. Mm-hmm. So when we're avoiding them or trying to fix them or trying to shut them down in any way, that's when we experience the suffering, the pain, the Mm. discomfort. But when we're in a space where we can fully allow those emotions that have been difficult for us to allow, then we create the space for them to have their full expression. And most of the time, that turns into... A feeling of relief a feeling of bliss a feeling of joy a feeling of liberation of ease
0: mm, liberation i think that's a word that i use a lot when i speak about this type of work because there is a like a lightness that comes from letting the stuff go and releasing
1: yeah and the image that i often help clients to see when when we're doing this work is it's like holding a bunch of beach balls underwater you've got the shame that you're holding under the water, you've got the fear, you've got that one time that you did that thing that you don't wanna think about. You're holding all of these beach balls, these memories and these traumas and these emotions under the water and it's really exhausting and it's a lot of work. And so when we allow ourselves to feel it and we let go of that beach ball, it comes to the surface, it it lightens our load Mm -hmm. and liberates and it literally liberates energy within us. So we're using a tremendous amount of energy to hold all of these emotions and memories down. And when we release them, it releases energy. And a lot of times people find that they have more clarity, more inspiration, more creativity. I've had clients experience in in a session, and I'll talk a little bit about what we do um, if it's helpful, but I've had clients who suddenly have the solution to a problem at their work that they've been working on for three months, six months. Where we can't figure out this this solution. There's all these pieces and we can't figure it out, can't figure it out. Well, they do this somatic releasing work or they do breath work and it releases something that allows the energy and the intelligence to flow and suddenly there's the solution.
0: Mm. Again, it's just removing that block. Uh, so much... Cognitive and physical energy is, is going into working with the discomfort to try and keep it under wraps, so to speak, you know, to not only ignore it, to put up you know, emotional armor, you yeah. know, to to stop feeling the pain. And it makes total sense, right?
1: It makes total sense. And it, right there, I think it's important to mention that the blocks themselves, the part of us that is holding those things down is also a part of our intelligence. It's Mm -hmm. also a part of our perfection. And so it's important to not judge the part of you that has resisted feeling the Mm -hmm. shame. And that's just more resistance on top of resistance. But looking at that and understanding that there's a reason why it wasn't safe to feel that emotion or it hasn't been safe to process that memory, whatever it is, there's a reason why it hasn't been appropriate. And that's also why it's important to have facilitators to help hold space for that very delicate journey of Mm. facing those difficult emotions with a lot of care and gentleness and understanding that the block itself is also a part of the intelligence and the block isn't necessarily to be removed but to be understood and to be witnessed and welcomed and in that then we create safety in our nervous system to release or to liberate emotions when they're ready to be liberated
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful for clarification, and I, yeah, exactly, it's a, just a, another part of your mind that wants to keep you safe, and it's doing that job very, very well, but it's overriding everything else, and the invitation now is to think about tapping into those other parts of, of you, and, you know, through the body and the mind, to work with that stuck energy, work with that stuck belief system, that stuck emotional trauma, begin like you say with beautiful gentleness, tenderness, compassion, hold that space for yourself to be, to feel supported, to be able to go on that journey, to move through these difficult challenging emotions. This is where this type of work comes in. Maybe we can give a few examples when we're talking about breath work. So for me when I think about it and again I'm, I'm just gonna go on my own experience here, and you'll be able to obviously give us a lot more detail here, Leandra. But so breathwork, we could think about yoga. Maybe that's where you may have come across it. You might have done pranayama some at the end of some yoga classes, or whatever. You may have done some of these breathing techniques. Again, in like in a Kundalini class, you will have done certain type of breathwork as well. You may be perhaps familiar with Stan Graf and his holotropic breathwork system that he has developed. Um, if that's new to you, you can go and Google it. They'll be in the show notes. But this type, this is a type of breath work that is quite potent. It induces more of perhaps of a psychedelic state. Again, it's, it's done under, you know, with practitioners who can support the participant in releasing these energetic blocks. But there are, again, lots of different cultures, lots of different ways of using the breath to come into the body to access altered states of consciousness, to move and connect with this energy. So that's where I'm at with with what breathwork is and my understanding of it. But um, you can maybe, Langer, you can dive in a little bit deeper and maybe talk about what does a session look like or just give us a little bit more on that. That'd be wonderful.
1: Yeah, I love that you acknowledge the different types of breathwork. The beauty of our breath and of being humans, as far as we know, we are the only mammals that really consciously use can consciously use our breath hmm. so it is a, a conscious aspect of us but it can also be unconscious there, our breath will happen even if we're not thinking about yeah, it
0: yeah it's part of our automatic like nervous system we will breathe whether we choose to or not right it's like yeah. hardwired
1: exactly it, it it can be automatic but it's also something that we have control over mm. and so what we have discovered as humans over time historically is we can use the breath to induce different states within the body so for example as you said in in yoga we use that ujjayi breath where you constrict mm. the the throat that helps you to really focus and hold poses and stay really focused and strong that's beautiful breath to use for that purpose. As you mentioned in Kundalini, there are multiple different kinds of breaths and and movement that activate different parts of our psyche and different uh, energy systems. The breath that I help my clients with is actually a very simple breath, and it is our original breath. The breath that we had before we took on all the imprints and constrictions and that breath is simply a full inhale and a relaxed exhale. And if you watch a baby breathe, they breathe into their whole body with, mm. without effort. It's just this supple breath. Their body fills up, and then they relax. And then their body fills up, and they relax. And when I take people through this, and I, I do regular group workshops where we do this as a group, and breathe in this way, just a full inhale and a relaxed exhale, what starts to happen is the body, the nervous system starts to feel safe again. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay, the danger has passed. Okay, I can relax. And this breath tells the body and the nervous system to relax, relax, relax. And as that happens, those beach balls that we've been holding down start to bubble up and Mm People might feel emotions, but what really is happening is energy is in motion. When we do this breath and we allow our nervous system to relax and allow ourselves to stop holding things down, naturally energy starts to move and be liberated.
0: I love that. That's such a simplistic technique. But the most simplistic, the most fundamental is always the most beautiful, right? It's the coming back to just how we do things naturally and yeah yeah, when you see just a little one how they breathe there's no thought or regulation gone into it it's like that full body inhale and exhale and that is a a beautiful practice so what's happening like you explain is like our, our autonomic nervous system is moving from that fight or flight state this sympathetic state to a parasympathetic restful state and it's in this state that your emotional Body, your mind can then begin to process and work with with this stuff. There's softness there. There's room there's to to allow that investigation. One thing that kind of came to mind when you were speaking, because I've, I've been thinking about this recently. About like, obviously, there's lots of reasons why we have such psychological resistance to dealing with difficult emotions and feeling our feelings. But I've been thinking a lot about societal and generational or family conditioning around not being able to feel your feelings you know obviously this is going to be very different for you you my dear listener wherever you are depending on where you grew up but for some cultures crying and just feeling your feelings is very much a part of of your culture in the west i think definitely and i can just speak from my experience in ireland it's very suppressed you know you don't show your emotions you know traditionally i think things are, are definitely changing but that's how I was raised and it's to our detriment, isn't it? And especially I think for men, I'm going to just speak for for myself, but like there is definitely this like, you know, boys don't cry or, you know, you've got to be strong and, mm. you know, and now, you know, like I've started going to like uh, men's sharing circles and doing the work in, in that environment too. And I can just realise there's just all these generations of men just like me who are only now beginning to, to deal with a lot of these suppressed emotions, because we just didn't feel like we could. We didn't have permission to do to deal with it in the moment. Perhaps when you're diving into that work, has that been an experience that's been shared or something that you resonate with?
1: Absolutely. What you said is so important that we pick up these ideas culturally and in our own family, so different families had different allowances for Emotions, Some families, you don't, you know, you only show a, a certain spectrum of your emotions, a small spectrum. And in other families, maybe there's a large spectrum of emotion, but not when it comes to anger or mm. not when it comes to sadness. oh, we we just we're happy in this family. We ignore sadness, right? and And then, of course, there's the there's a divide between what's allowed between men and women. You know, there's the, as you said, boys don't cry. Women, for example, don't feel as comfortable feeling anger. And Mm. all of these emotions are so vital to our authentic expression and authentic connection to who we are. So each emotion has its counterpart. So for example, sadness and grief are one side of of the coin and on the other side is joy and happiness. Mm. So if we are denying ourselves one side of the coin, we're missing the full spectrum of, of who we are. We're missing the full mm. spectrum of our experience. When we shut down our anger, we're missing the aspect of us that holds our power. Yeah. When we, so each piece holds so much so that's why it's so important to be able to feel and allow all of these aspects because they're everything is connected to everything
0: Mm.
1: and that's when we get to feel the fullness and express the fullness of who we are
0: we can't suppress one thing if we suppress one thing we suppress everything and how that manifests is that we you know really just dims our light and dims the joy and the happiness because all of this suppression and that one negative negative. I don't even know if I want to say the word negative, but that how we would maybe view an emotion as, you know, anger or sadness as being negative, all of our energy and, and thought is going into suppressing that. And then we're just not, again, we're like far away from our body again, yeah. you know, our mind is not present. We're not really here to be who we are because you're lost in thought, lost in, in a story, lost in sadness or lost in that emotion. And one of the, the things that I've done a lot of work around is and becoming to name emotions and seeing them as, as neutral It's part of the human experience. You know, we've got joy and sadness and you know, happiness and anger and, and fear. And it, it's all part of us. The challenge, I think, is to be able to work with it from this kind of neutrality and just honour. It's OK to be angry. Sometimes we need to be angry. Sometimes we need to be afraid. We need to be sad. Because sad things happen to us all the time and there's no point just turning on this positivity switch to now try and get through which is definitely a conditioning. Well, what would happen if you just allowed all of those things to just be, you know, without that conditioning of like you can't feel that you have to shut it down?
1: Yeah. And one of the ways that I help my clients to be with this, because it it can be very scary and overwhelming, is what you said. One is naming it and just allowing it to be here without any story. It doesn't have to be, I'm sad because X, Y, Z happened. It's just, there is sadness here. And and I also invite people to say, I am feeling sadness rather than I am sad. When we say, I am sad, the whole body says, oh my gosh, that is my identity. Oh, that is overwhelming. But when yeah. we say, ah, I feel sadness. Okay, where in the body is this sadness? Hmm, right now it's in my chest, okay. What does that sadness feel like? Oh, it feels like a a heaviness. It feels like a weight. Okay, let's just feel the heaviness and the weight because when we feel it at the level of sensation, then it it becomes more neutral. There's no story there. And we Mm. also, when we feel it at the level of sensation, it brings us into the present moment. And in this present moment, the thing that made us sad isn't actually happening. We're not reliving the thing over and over when we're in the sensation of it and in the space of being in the sensation of it, often it has like a cycle that it moves through. It's there and we feel it, we feel the sensation and often it it begins to dissipate or or release just because we're we're there with it mm-hmm. rather than I'm sad because that thing happened to me and every time I think about it, I go into this sadness and it overwhelms my whole body. When we go into the body and we find out where does this sadness live, then it's not as overwhelming.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. I'm not sad, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling whatever emotion because you aren't just all of that. It's just a sensation that is moving through your body. And if it's maybe a little bit stuck, then you can come into that, into the sensation and really work with it on that level. I think that's a really key point. I want to kind of come back into moving the energy, moving the the blocks and the limitations, so thinking about we're doing this type of work, letting go, releasing Mm -hmm. and looking to the other side of doing the work, because I think it can be so daunting and overwhelming when we think, okay, I know that there's something here that needs, there's a core belief, a core wound that I can't carry with me any longer. To be who I really am and to express myself authentically, this needs to go. But it is it is scary. But there's support there for you and there is different practices to help you do that. But let's think about on the other side of it, what that's going to allow. When we think about, you know, cultivating your confidence and the voice again, using your voice with integrity and all of the beautiful things on the other side of the work. Maybe we can talk a little bit around that, what we can really do when we start to liberate that true nature.
1: I have had so many clients who are just highly intelligent, very cerebral people come and do this work. And on the other side of it, they realize that they're artists, they're dancers, they're singers. And many of them have kept their nine to five. I've had a handful of attorneys come to me and they still are are doing their attorney thing, but on the side, they're painting, they're dancing, they're drawing, they're using this creative energy and having so much more fun and bringing that. I've had some of my attorney clients say they, they bring that even into their work, which they didn't realize they could, but doing things in a more creative way, having more fun, um, so there's a lot of creativity, joy, play on the other side. Uh, we've used the word liberation a lot. There's this liberation. There's this freedom. This allowing of enjoyment, enjoying mm-hmm. life, yeah. and having this light-hearted approach to whatever it is that we're that we're facing whether you know whether you're an attorney who has some serious cases or not when you have this sort of liberated sense of yourself things become much easier much lighter there's a there's a sense of of joy and play
0: yeah i think of it as like spaciousness and lightness Spaciousness, you know? yeah. this is the work right this is what we're, we're all on this journey and when you take that courageous leap to, to go inside and realize who you really are reconnect to that beautiful soul again we have to go through some difficult experiences and again that's going to be different for all of us but every time we we go there we peel back a layer i've spoken about this a lot but i, I always think of it as like these little layers of emotional armor that we just keep taking off kind of removing one by one till we really just get back to, to our essence again
1: and as you say that, it's a lifestyle. It's not we do this work and, and suddenly it's done. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a commitment to continuing to peel back the layers because we're going to continue to to run into hurts. We're going to continue to run into challenges. But how can we each time peel back the layer and live in our, in our true essence instead of in that protectiveness and continue to do it? And When you first start, you know there's a lot of skill in it and it can feel kind of hard. But then once that muscle is built, then you go, oh, okay, here's that protective layer coming back in again. And now it's a choice. Do I wanna choose to live from this place of protectiveness again? I know what that's like. I know what it's like to hold down all those beach balls and that was really exhausting, but now I have this skill and I'm gonna breathe through it and I'm gonna receive support and I'm going to let this protective layer dissolve once again. And it mm-hmm. becomes easier and easier.
0: Absolutely. We're on the journey for life, right? And it just it helps us deal with more challenges that come our way with that air of compassion and, and knowledge as well. That kind of self-realization that we don't buy into the stories. There's an emotional intelligence, I think, that we begin to cultivate and grow So we get to see and recognize, oh, okay. there's just that little fear thought coming back in. I know how to deal with that now. I know that that's not real. Um, It gets easier and easier, I think, over time not to get caught in that sort of prison in the mind, we're able to, to let it go a little bit easier. I think when we do that, when we can move through it more and more quickly, we can just then reconnect again with who we are. When we really reconnect with ourselves, we see how confident people can be. You know, people doing things that they never would have done when they were trapped in that, that old way of thinking, that conditioned mind. But suddenly, it's like all of none of inhibitions is the right word, but like there's just all of these things that just they just disappear. There's this incredible sense of self-confidence and belief. That comes from kind of really connecting with yourself. I'm interested in you, Leandra, like at what point, you know, on your journey when you started to really see the benefits or did you have any sort of big impactful moment when you really connected deeply to that true nature and felt that that liberation?
1: Yeah, I had been on a on a journey of studying. So I'll take you back to where it started was in college when I was really stuck in depression and anxiety. And I went to a doctor because it was it was getting pretty intense and I didn't know anything about any alternative ways of handling depression and anxiety. The doctor handed me a pill and said, "You can take this for the rest of your life." And I thought, mm. "Something feels off about that. That's not that doesn't feel right." And that set me on my journey to to learn how to heal myself and learn how to manage the depression and the anxiety in a different way because taking a pill for the rest of my life did not feel like the right answer. And so that set me on a journey to study energetics and mindset and embodiment and meditation and all these alternative modalities. And that brought a lot of relief, the meditation and and the energy healing and all that brought a lot of relief. But in a breathwork session, this was probably about five years ago now, I experienced an incredible release. It was like all of those other modalities helped relieve some things little by little. But this breathwork session, this breath that I I shared with you is this very simple, deep inhale, relaxed exhale over and over in, in this powerful setting. And so much was liberated. There was so much forgiveness of myself and of the past that really allowed me to tap into who I really am. I had all these insights and clarity. And shortly after that, I left my my teaching job and followed yeah. this this vision that I had on the floor of this yoga studio doing this breath. Uh, I left my job and followed this vision. And, and here I am today helping others to liberate themselves from that stuckness so that they can live their authentic lives as well.
0: Well, Thank you for sharing with us and how potent, how powerful this can be when, you know, you obviously you allowed yourself to go there as well, you know, I think kind of doing a little bit of that preparatory work, working with the mind and breath before you go perhaps into these more... Mm, transformative modalities perhaps Mm. where there is that potential to really connect from an altered state of consciousness perhaps as well having the openness and willingness to go there there's a lot of use of the word surrender online right now and when we talk about surrendering like what does that really really mean you know to me it's like bypassing the ego mm-hmm. and that is you not know, unless you are going to do practice like that or use psychedelics or other type of modalities like that where you can bypass that ego mind it's I think surrender is a very difficult maybe perhaps impossible thing to do I don't know so I'm just kind of cautious with that word and to use it w- with, with more respect I think because that's what we really have to do if it was that easy to just surrender well then we would all be able to, to just walk around blissed out and not feeling <laughs> all of these deep things
1: yeah. and we surrender to the degree that it is safe to
0: yeah exactly.
1: so it's okay if you can't surrender all the way in this moment but how can we continue to create the environments to feel safe enough to let go a little bit and to let go a little bit more and to let go a little bit more
0: actually now that you bring up environment because i know like set and setting is a very important part of doing breath work so maybe for people who are like okay i'm, I'm really interested in this breath work that leandra's talking about what does this maybe a typical session look like maybe you could guide us through obviously some people now w- way things are in the world we we might have to do these things at home but how can people emulate a more nurturing environment and setting for this type of work
1: yeah so the first thing is creating a space where you can be undistracted. Just that alone, just creating a space, a, a 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, just creating a space where your phone is off, your computers are off. Maybe there's not even a phone or a computer in your room. That alone, just creating a space of, of undistractedness and just being able to be with your breath is brilliant. I also, I do virtual breathwork sessions now mm-hmm. and group sessions. And at first I didn't know how that was going to work because to your point, set and setting is so important. So I was really mm-hmm. stuck on before COVID, I was really stuck on these things had to be in person because I'm bringing people yeah. into this sacred space. It's the, you know a meditation studio. It's beautiful. There's candles, there's pillows, there's you know this beautiful yeah. space for people. And so when COVID happened and I brought all of my work online, what I realized is that the beauty of having people do it in their homes is that they get to bring this kind of safety and connection to themselves in their own environment. So really simply just eliminating distractions is the first thing, but doing anything you can to create more comfort like If you were to go into a sanctuary and do this kind of sacred work, what would that be like? There wouldn't be clutter all over the floor. There would be, you know, something soft to lay on. There might be a candle. There might be music playing, gentle music playing. And all of these things can start to just create that set and setting, create that environment, that vibration for your nervous system to start to relax.
0: Mm. Safety is key, right? We, We need to feel safe. Yeah to trust and to go there.
1: One of the things on safety that I, because a lot of my clients come with a lot of trauma and when we have a lot of unresolved trauma, it can feel that nothing is safe. Even me being in my own bedroom sometimes doesn't feel safe. And so what I have clients do is just sit in the space that they're in and confirm to themselves that in this moment I am safe in this moment there's no danger can I confirm that yes can I lock the door yes can I keep you know the environment or other people out for the next 15 minutes yes so I'm confirming for myself that I can create safety for this period of time here
0: wow yeah that's a very key first step I think isn't it yeah yeah allowing and knowing that you're safe beautiful so I think we've really kind of come full circle we've worked through all of these different modalities and how they can bring this liberation of the the real deep core wounds that we we carry that stop us from from being ourselves that, that create the resistance that dim our light that hold our voice back and so for people listening you know there is a way to work through these different difficult things. There is a way for you to reconnect and to have that freedom to speak your voice and to be who you are. And I think for sensitive and spiritual, empathic people who are want to bring themselves into like the online space with their business and to be able to communicate in a way that is just like them and not feeling that kind of pressure I think this type of work is going to be so important because it's unblocking those stories and those thoughts at that core level and I think what happens when we connect to who we really are we get that sense again of it's okay to be me and I think that's the mindset block that I know I've experienced and seen a lot of other introverted people talking about this is like there's a a discomfort there's this feeling i can't really be who i am Mm -hmm. in the world or in the online environment and i'm just wondering if you have any insights or experiences with those sort of feelings of i can't really be me or feeling like i have to change who i am to fit in
1: yeah i think it's very much connected to the practice that i just shared earlier of just showing ourselves that we are safe doing the thing Oh, I posted that thing and and I'm still safe. Oh, I said that thing and I'm still I'm still okay. Oh, I went live and not only am I okay, I actually connected with some people and got feedback that people really needed to hear what I have to say. Okay, so it's just keep confirming to ourselves that we're safe. And even if on the the chance that it happens and it does happen online, even if somebody disagrees with us, oh, I posted that thing. Some people disagreed and I'm still safe. I'm still okay. Mm -hmm. And actually what we start to notice when we do come from, from the place of our, our integrity, not only do we, Confirm to ourselves that we're still safe, even if people disagree or people don't like it. Not only do we confirm that we're okay, but we also get a sense of self, a sense of pride, a sense of solidity within ourselves. Mm. That's like, oh, that starts to feel good. That starts to feel better. That's
0: the seeds yeah. of confidence right there, isn't it?
1: And it starts to feel even better than if people liked everything that we said. If we're saying things that aren't true to us but people are liking it, it doesn't feel good. If we're saying no. things that are true to us and nobody likes it, there is a sense of, ah, oh, I I actually feel good because I'm saying what's on my heart. And usually what we find anyway is that the more authentic we are and in integrity, the more magnetic we become. We attract the people who, exactly. who love us, who resonate with us. Then that's the beauty of this online world is we're not, we're not limited to the people in our town. We're not limited to the people in our family. We get to put our voice out there. We get to shine our, our light and the moths that are meant to be attracted to our particular light. They come from all over the world. That's one of the yeah. like greatest gifts that we have with this online expression
0: beautiful thank you so much for your insight around that i think that's going to be really really valuable for for me and for everyone coming back to safety yeah i did it and i'm safe because we have this negative bias that we think all the worst is going to happen but and we can prove to ourselves that, hey, I did this, I'm safe. And actually, I feel really good about it because, you know, I spoke my truth or I, I helped someone, yeah. you know, coming back to, to service and thinking about that person who may have read this or seen this and how it helped them today and building up that. And I think in there are those seeds of self-belief, self-confidence, and that all comes back to really loving and being who we truly are.
1: Yes, and keeping in mind that it's a muscle, that it doesn't happen all at once, but the more that we do it, and and we don't necessarily do the heavy lifting all at once. Maybe we're not going to go on a stage and talk to 10,000 people at once, but we start by going live on our little platform and 10, yeah. five people show up, 10 people show up, and we build that muscle over time. And should we decide to speak to big audiences, then we have that muscle built So it doesn't necessarily have to happen all at once, but little by little.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So for people who are interested in beginning like the breathwork journey, what are some things that they maybe should consider or would be useful for them to look at, you know, to prepare themselves to to get into that somatic experience?
1: I highly recommend finding a facilitator and doing it with a facilitator first, because what happen? What can happen is, you know, maybe you you read some directions or you follow a YouTube. But we we get stuck in our own patterns and we can't necessarily see our own patterns. So we might think we're taking a big deep breath, but actually, a facilitator might be able to say, "There's something deeper. You can breathe deeper into your belly, or you can breathe deeper into your root." Um, Mm. and help release some of the blocks there. So working with a facilitator or even in a group setting can be really helpful. So you can be guided through it. But there are lots of tools and resources out there. The kind of breath, again, that I do is a little different than a lot of the things that are out there. There's a lot of the holotropic and those kinds of breaths. So this gentle journey to prepare for Mm. this gentle but profound journey is, again, coming into gentleness and compassion and allowing. And just that alone, if you just sat and came into gentleness and compassion and allowing, your breath will naturally slow down and deepen. Mm. You just slow down and start to tune into your body. There will be more space for your breath and you'll naturally start to breathe more fully.
0: I think the, the facilitator is so key and the second point I think is around integration. Like what happens after the work? How do we make sense of how do we move forward after we've had perhaps experienced some, you know, profound shifts. So maybe you could give us a little bit of insight into like what does a facilitator like yourself do to help people integrate yeah. the work after they've been through these experiences?
1: I'm so glad that you said that is so important. A lot of people come to group breathwork session, they have these big awakenings like I did. When I went to my first Mm -hmm. session, I had this big awakening and these big visions that came through. But then how do I start to live from that place? And that takes time. And so having a facilitator or a mentor to hold you one-on-one over time is really helpful. And that's where I work with my clients one-on-one and we do the deep somatic work, which we can't necessarily do in a breath work session or in a group session, but the deep somatic work of really feeling what's happening moment to moment, what stories are attached to those um, sensations inside, what memories have been locked up And over time, we start to unlock those and understand your unique makeup, your unique patterning. And then you get the skills to go, oh, when I feel that tightness in my chest, that's actually just a memory of when my teacher told me that I was too loud or whatever it was. And and now I can relax that. Okay, that teacher's not here and I can relax and I could actually speak my truth in this moment or... You know, that's a memory, my throat tightening, that's a memory of that time that I tried to speak on stage when I was a little kid and, you know, somebody laughed and now I, I feel scared to to speak. And so we go into that tightness and we allow it and understand it. And over time, when you start to understand your own patterns, you're no longer ruled by them. They might They might still be mm-hmm. there. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is that tightness that I feel or this is that pain that I feel when that comes up. But in this moment, that danger isn't here and it's safe for me to speak. That danger isn't here. It's safe for me to be.
0: What a gift yeah. to be able to, to work with the emotional body like that and to feel so empowered when you can feel those deep feelings and you recognize the story, but you're able to work through it and also not allow it to trigger like self-sabotaging behavior and all of those things because i think for a lot of people that's the spiral isn't it you know we get triggered of an old trauma that triggers the numbing or avoiding behavior or whatever it is that we do to to not feel the pain so there's such a gift there in being able to work with that in the moment know from the training that you've done to be able to release it and feel safe so not only do you feel again reconnected to who you are you are choosing not to go down that old self-destructive route of doing these behaviors again without any judgment they're just you trying to separate yourself from the pain and that's just what we do but how transformative that is you know how liberating and what a joyous way to through the world
1: yeah exactly so empowering and then you get to be in the driver's seat of your life instead of your your traumas and your self-sabotaging behaviors
0: yeah i think that's a beautiful note to end our conversation on my friend so i'm interested and i know everyone else listening will be interested how do we get in contact with you where do you like to hang out where can people learn about you and your unique methodologies
1: so you can find me at leandrorose.com you'll find uh events and things there i have regular breathwork workshops that i do i'm also leading a retreat for space holders in Sedona coming up shortly so you can find information about all of that and I love to hang out on Instagram is probably my favorite place you find that's where Paul and I met and you can find me at the radiant rebellion on Instagram it's a great place to to connect so if you have listened to this and you are on Instagram come find me there say hello let me know how you found me and uh yeah love to stay connected there
0: beautiful beautiful so i'm going to give you one last little question that i'd like to to ask everyone um before they leave so if your self from five years ago was listening what little piece of truth or advice would you have for her right now
1: it's safe to listen and follow your intuition Listen to those whispers, follow them, follow your joy, follow your excitement. Don't get caught up in how things are going to look. It all is going to turn out fine. Follow the breadcrumbs of your excitement. And I promise you, it's going to lead you exactly where you want to go.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm so grateful for you bringing your your energy the show today it's been a a true true blessing for us all and thank you so much for being here thank
1: you i appreciate it thank you so much
0: thank you my friend for listening i truly appreciate you being here if you haven't already please subscribe to the show and if you really love this episode please share on your instagram stories and tag me so i can personally thank you and I invite you to help this community grow. You can do so by rating five stars and leaving a very short one-sentence review wherever you get your podcasts from. It'll really help the visibility of the show and make it much easier for more sensitive souls to find it. You can grab some free meditations from me by going to pauljoggins.com and you can learn a little bit more about my unique mindset work there. Finally, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. You can follow me and I'll be sure to follow you back I'd love to learn a little bit more about your journey. If you'd like to be in with a chance to win a 90-minute coaching call with me this month, all you have to do to enter is simply share this episode in your Instagram story, tag me, it's Paul Juggins, and tag three other friends in the story who you think would really love this episode too. I'll be drawing a winner at random at the end of the month, so good luck!